<laughs> Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. We're in a series. Uh, we teach about a certain topic for a few weeks in a, in a row, and this series is called <clears throat> Game Plan. And uh, today's topic is calling an audible. Uh, anybody not, not know what an audible is? My wife didn't, so <laughs> uh, that tells you how much sports she watches. But anyway, audible is when a uh, quarterback calls a different play, uh, switches the play. <clears throat> And I want to start off with a warning, uh, kind of a 30-minute warning, where we're going to be at the end, uh, instead of a two-minute warning. Um, today's topic lends itself perfectly to, for me to invite you to, to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. And so I will give you that opportunity at the end. Uh, for many of us, we are already in, a, in our in that place in our Jesus journey. Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, but to, there needs to be a time when you step across that line, when you say, yeah, I believe Jesus is God's son. He died for my sins. He rose from the dead. If I put my faith and trust in him, I can enter into a relationship with him. My sins can be forgiven. I can spend eternity with him in heaven. There needs to be a time a play, uh, that you can point to saying, yes, I stepped across that line. So again, kind of a 30-minute warning will give you an opportunity to do that at the end. So let's review a little bit. Uh, we started last week, we talked about the fundamentals. And this, is, this series is based around a basic question that we all have in some form. God, what should I do with my life? God, what is your will for my life? God, what is your plan for my life? And even if you're not a Jesus follower or not so sure about God, you ask that question, what should I do with my life? What's my purpose here on earth? How, what, can, how can, what can I do to make, be fulfilled? And when I lay on my deathbed one day, I say, yeah, I had, I had a good life. Now, let me be honest, sometimes, this is a powerful prayer, but sometimes I don't pray this prayer. And probably you don't either. Uh, for two reasons. One, one, I don't know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. I want to do what I want to do, right? So God, I, maybe you want me to do this, maybe you want to do this, but I want to do this, so I'm not even going to ask. And other times we know what he's going to say, right? And so we don't ask. Um, so if we're going to be honest, sometimes we do that. And this can be a little scary. You know, um, most of you know we were, became foreign missionaries for a while, overseas missionaries, international missionaries. <clears throat> and uh, when you pray that prayer, you get this fear that God's going to let, make you, you know, want you to live in a little grass hut in, somewhere in deepest, darkest Africa, right? <laughs> um, and so you might not pray that prayer. So we pray that prayer and... Um, you know, we wound up living in Portugal, actually could see the ocean from our house. We had a normal house, a normal car, etc. Um, so, it's not something we should be afraid of. There's a story in the Bible, though, where this little kid by the name of Samuel, laying in his bed at night, and he, and he hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. So he, he runs to his mentor, the high priest named Eli, says, hey, yeah, I hear, what do you want? He said, I didn't call you. So he goes back to bed. <laughs> Samuel, Samuel. So he runs to Eli, and Eli said, I didn't call you. Goes back to bed, Samuel, Samuel. And runs to Eli, and Eli said, okay, I kind of figured this out. That's God. God talked to you. Now, sometimes we like to know God's will a little more clearly than it is, but I don't think I want to actually hear his voice. Do you? Uh, I think that would be pretty scary. But uh, that's what happened in, in, in that case. Other times, God spoke through a burning bush, etc., but I don't believe it's something we should be afraid of. And again, this is a very powerful prayer because 
It puts you <laughs> with God. Sometimes we say it this way, God and you are, you and a, are a majority, which God's a majority by himself, right? He's all-powerful. So, if we join with him in his plan, his will, follow him, as we say a lot around here, then we are tapping into that power. And as we talked about last week, it, actually God dwells in, in us as believers. So this series is based around the premise that life is made up of decisions, right? Decisions you make or other people make for you sometimes. A significant one in my life, my mom made. Uh, in 1975, I had one semester of seminary left, and we were living in Glen Burnie, and I was moving, driving back and forth to North Carolina, and she decided she wanted to move, and she moved from Glen Burnie to Middletown. It's her choice, not my choice, but so I guess I could have stayed there, but I, I moved with the rest of the family. So that was a decision that was made for me, and it affected the rest of my life, because I've been in this area most of the rest of my life. I met my wife, etc., etc. So, decisions we make and decisions other people make for us. Now, <clears throat> probably all of us would like to unmake some of those decisions, wouldn't we? Made bad decisions, or we did maybe even made a decision we knew God didn't want us to make. But we can't undo the past. But we can get it right as much as possible in the future. Now, as a pastor of a church, of you folks, um, a big part of my prayer, what should God, what should I do, or what, what do you want us to do? Our church, you know, how are we going to reach our community and reach the world, participate in missions offerings and other things, go on missions trips, etc., etc., etc. And another part of that is, okay, God, I'm retirement age, when should I retire, how should I do that, should I etc., etc., and who, who's going to be my successor, and hopefully you're praying those prayers too. So, we started with a premise and a promise, so let's review the premise and a promise. <clears throat> there is a God, and he has a great plan for your life, all right? Even if you don't believe you're not a Jesus follower, uh, we truly believe that there is God, and he has not just a plan for your life, he has a great plan for your life, and in fact, you can't even really screw it up. And we don't have time to talk about that. But when you and I screw things up, God includes that in his plan. So that's the great premise that we are functioning under. And here's the promise. And five weeks from now, you can tell me if, <laughs> if we succeeded. You're going to be equipped to understand how to find God's plan for your life. How to answer that question. Now we summarized last week's teaching. If you missed it, want to hear it again, it's on our website, the audio. This way. He, meaning God, is the prize inside of me. Remember the Cracker Jacks box? If you were here last week. He's the prize inside of us. And if I focus, if my focus will be on him, on the prize inside of me, then he will lead me to his plans. We've said it this way. So often our focus is on the future. It shouldn't be on the future. It should be on a person. In this case, Jesus. Because ultimately, we, nobody knows the future, right? None of us know the future. So if I'm conscientious of doing what God wants me to do today, it'll lead to what, me to what God wants me to do tomorrow, etc., etc. So we re-ask uh, re, re the question that we started the series with. We say a better question is this. God, what should I do with your life 
that is within me. Complete change of focus. So this, today I want to get started with this. If we were to look up all the verses in the Bible that say God's will, God's plan for your life. In the old days we have these, I still have one, a big concordance of all the verses in the Bible. All the words of all the verses in the Bible. Nowadays it's simpler, you can go to a website and they'll do it for you. <clears throat> if you look them all up, these verses would all fall into like three there is three major categories, all right? And here's the three major categories we can put all the verses in. The providential will of God, the moral will of God, and the personal will of God. And we look at that list, which are the ones we, that we're all most interested in? The whole series is about, right? What is it? The personal one, right? Some of you probably don't even know what the providential will of God is. That's what God's going to do no matter what, Okay? I got to thinking about it. maybe God wanted our present president to be president because no matter what people tried to do to stop it, it happened, right? And you can say that about uh, a lot of historical events. Uh, that's the providential will of God. Uh, the moral will of God is basically what the Bible says. The do's and don'ts. Instructions for life. And we say, <laughs> when you do that, life is better and you're better at life. But the personal will of God is the one we're really interested in, is it? What does God want me to do? I've got to make this decision. Where does he want me to work? Where does he want me to live? Who wants me to marry? And about children and, and all those tons, our finances, all those issues. Personal will of God. So let's go through each of these a little bit. Providential will of God. This is the cool one. Let me illustrate this way. I don't know who controls the remote, at your, at the TV at your house. Just pretend you only have one. I mean, most of us got multiple. But I control it at my house, okay? Now, if my wife comes in and wants to change it, I'm, hopefully I'm, I'm generous and let her do that. Grandkids are there. They usually get to watch what they want to. But if there's something on that I want to watch, and even if the grandkids are there, I'm saying, sorry, kids. I'm the controller of the remote. So we're going to watch what I want to watch, right? It's kind of a silly illustration about God, right? God has control of the remote. And so he can do what he wants. He's God, I'm not. He's all-powerful, I'm not. And sometimes we might not think it's fair, but he doesn't have to be fair. It may not be fair that I make my grandkids you know, go watch another TV, right? So there's tons, I mean, we could just go through the Bible and look at all kinds of illustrations. For example, God told Abraham, this guy, he says, Abraham, I want you to be father of this great nation. I'm going to start a nation uh, we would say the Israelites, the Jews, uh, with you. And I want you to move to this other place. Right? And so that was going to happen because God wanted that to happen. <clears throat> uh, anytime somebody tries to stand up to God, it's, it's, it's almost kind of humorous. It's like, oh, really? You know the old adage, you want to make God laugh, what? Tell him your plans, right? And so I could put, put a couple examples on, on the, on, on the uh, screen here. For example, Pharaoh. God's providential will was the, Moses go and deliver the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. Pharaoh said no. So God, remember the plague thing? Plague. Pharaoh said no, another plague. I think there was 10 of them. You can correct me later. But anyways, 10 plagues. Finally, Pharaoh said Okay. It was God's providential will. Nobody, no Pharaoh, greatest, most powerful man in the world, was going to stop that, right? 
And if he hadn't said yes after 10, what would God have done? 11 or 12 or whatever. Whatever it took, right? Because that was God's providential will. Uh, Saul was the first king of Israel. And in, with kings, usually, when you died, who became the next king? Your oldest son, right? So his oldest son was Jonathan. So Paul, uh, Saul assumed Jonathan was going to be the next king, but God had a, another plan. And he said, no, no, David's going to be the next king. And so what did Saul try and do? Well, if I kill David, then my, my son can be king. How'd that work out for him? He wound up dead. In fact, unfortunately, Jonathan wound up dead also. Right? God's providential will, David, and we're going to talk about David in the, the last part of the series. God's providential will. Nobody can stop it. The biggest and greatest and most important example is, is Jesus, right? Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, suffered horribly, died on a cross for your sins and mine. The Romans didn't kill him, did they? The Jews didn't kill him. Jesus sacrificed his life. Nobody was going to stop him. And then nobody could stop him from coming out of the grave three days later, right? It was God's providential will. Nobody could stop it. Uh, Paul is a great example. <clears throat> he said, ah, this church thing, this this." Jesus' movement, this way, that's, that's an abomination. And he asked the religious leaders to give the power and authority, maybe some soldiers, to wipe them out. He said, it won't take me long. And what happened? One day he's traveling down the road and God knocks him off his donkey, blinds him and says, hey, Paul. And it's an interesting phrase in, in the Bible. You're kicking against the goats. It basically means you're, <laughs> you're kicking against my providential will. And, uh, you know, it's silly, it's foolish, it's dumb. In fact, not only am I going to stop you from persecuting your church, I think I'm going to use you to build my church. And so Paul became the great, uh, great leader in the church. Nero, Roman, greatest, again, most powerful man in the world. He was going to wipe out the church. How'd that work out for him? Hitler, more modern example. He was going to wipe out the Jews. How'd that work out? See, if it's God's providential will, nobody can stop it. And the church is a great example. We've talked a lot about the first three centuries, church shouldn't, shouldn't continue to exist. And it's 2,000 years later. And the important thing for you and I is we hold the baton. You know those uh, relay races and Olympics? I love those. Uh, the uh, Americans should win, usually win those things. But they don't always win. Why? Because they mess up the passing of the baton. So we are responsible for the church now 2,000 years later. It's important that we pass on the baton of the church to the next generation and hopefully do it in a, in a, in a healthy way, in a, in a good way. So, providential will of God. We've got to move on. Uh, moral will of God. Again, that's what's in the Bible. That's the do's and don'ts. Uh, we ought to say yes to that, whatever it is. And I, I, I'm always a little amazed that people will be struggling with some decision. And I'm thinking, why are they struggling with it? It's in the book. <laughs> All right? It's in there. Um, it, it, it simplifies things. It, re it removes some of the options to be facetious or uh, silly. 
uh, should I kill this person or not, God? What do you think? We don't have to pray that prayer, do we? Should I commit adultery? We don't have to pray that prayer. Should I kill, uh, lie? Should I steal? Uh, you don't need to pray that prayer. <laughs> They're already taken care of. We know God's will. In, and there's tons of them, lots of them, lots of them in the Bible. Should I gossip? No. Should I forgive people? Yes. So that's God's moral will. And this is the one that makes us uncomfortable because some of those things we don't want to do. We don't want to forgive. And we want to do some of the things we shouldn't do. We want to lie. So that's God's moral will. So there's a lot of that. We, we, we would know that. And then the personal will of God, and that's what we're, we're talking about. <clears throat> so here's, the, here, here's part of the, the logic here. And you put the next screen on. The more familiar you and I are with the providential and moral will of God, the easier it will be for you to discern the personal will of God. Like I said, it, it removes some of the options. And this is so, why it's so important for you parents and grandparents to get your kids in church, uh, places where they can learn the Bible, because that, then they get to learn these things. And then those decisions of college and young adults, and those decisions become easier if you've got that foundation. And that's just for our kids, but for us. So... Uh, it's important that all of us be in God's Word, reading the Bible. Most of you have one or have an app. Uh, you need to read it because it becomes clearer. And so if you're struggling, not that it'll be always easy, but it'll be clearer, easier, because again, it removes some of the options. Um, so we're going to look at something Peter wrote. Peter was Jesus' sidekick, right? And um, he... Uh, wrote letters to the churches, um, different churches. We only have two of those letters, and we're going to look at the second letter. And uh, they were dealing with an issue that we don't really talk about too much today, but Jesus, when he left this earth, said, I'm, I'm coming back. Now, if you folks leave here this morning and say you're coming back, I expect you'd come back <laughs> next Sunday or the following Sunday, right? Well, had time had gone by, and Jesus hadn't come back, hadn't come back, and said, the church was kind of struggling with this, so Peter's addressing this, uh, this issue, and we see the, all three aspects of God's will, providential, moral, and personal, in this uh, passage. So, 2 Peter 3, 5. They will say, this group of people struggling with the question, what happened to the promise of Jesus coming again? So he promised, so he keeps his promises. What happened? Uh, from the, before the time of our... From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They said, okay, the world began and everything stayed the same since then. So if it's been that way for thousands and thousands of years. We expect it's going to be that way for the next thousands and thousands of years. So Peter goes on and says, no. You're deliberately forgetting that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command and brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. So once upon a time, it didn't exist. All right? Once upon a time, it all began. And even if you don't believe in God and, you know, the scientific world, there's evidence, and they believe this. They call it the Big Bang, right? Somewhere along the line, before, there wasn't anything before the Big Bang, then the Big Bang happened, and we have the universe. All right? Now, we believe it was because of the spoken word of God. God spoke it into, into being. But either way, all right? It had a beginning, and if something has a beginning, the logical conclusion is what? There's going to be an end. And then he said, there's another faulty part of your argument is this. They used water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. So God did interrupt history. 
<laughs> at one point. He said, okay, uh, I'm tired of this. I'm going to wipe everybody out and start over again, except for one family. So it's not true that it started and it just kept on going. And again, that was part of God's providential will. Was anybody going to stop that? No, nobody could stop that. So God's providential will. So then he goes on, and by the same word, the word that spoke the universe into existence, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They've been kept for the day of judgment, word we don't like, right? And unkindly people will be destroyed. <clears throat> so destroyed the earth with water the first time. The next time it's going to be destroyed by fire. That's what God tells us. And the history is going to come to an end. Jesus is going to come back. And there's going to be judgment day. As much as we don't like that, that's just the truth. That's what's going to happen. So then he goes on and says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. This is fascinating. This is the part, part that you probably recognize. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Now we measure time with watches and, and with calendars, etc. And we, it's hard to wrap our heads around this, but the Bible teaches God's not limited by time. He basically sees all of history from beginning to end at once. And he can interject himself in any place or all the places at the same time. I can't grasp it, that, that, but that's the reality. Of it. So that's important when you get to the, his conclusion here. So God's not limited by time. He doesn't see time like we do. And so he says, the Lord is really being, isn't really being slow about his promise. So yeah, it's been, now for us, 2,000 years he said he's coming back. That seems like he's being really slow. No, he's being patient for your sake. Okay. You ever just hope God, Jesus will come back today, you're having a bad day, so just, just whatever. Now, I used to do that, I don't do that anymore because I, it's selfish prayer because I think about people that haven't connected with God yet and if history comes to an end, then their chance is over. So I don't pray that prayer. I want God to continually be patient and he explains uh, why he's patient. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, separated from him. What does he want? Now, I don't know God's personal will about decisions you have to make this week or next week or next month, but I do know this. This is one aspect that of everybody's personal will is the same. All right? And here it is. But he wants everyone to repent. Everyone means Everyone. So even though God's will for you and me is different, in this area, it's the same for everyone. Everybody ever created. Everybody you know, I know, people we don't know. All 7 billion people on the earth. It's God's will, personal will for them, to repent. Now let me give you a quick definition of repent, and uh, we'll finish this up. A change of mind that results in a change of action. I'll give you a quick example. I was um, going over to take care of the, the ladies at our care home a couple weeks ago. Actually, I think it was my wife was in uh, Louisiana. And I, I get over to the care home. It's three miles from my house. And I forgot my key. So I jump in my car and start headed back home to get the key. But I'm, I, I'm a little <laughs> anxious because the ladies may show up before I get back. Anyway, about halfway there, about a mile, actually a mile in, I thought, well, maybe Jer Jerry lives, Jerry, Jerry, where are you? Anyway, Jerry lives in the basement. And I said, well, maybe he's home and he can let me in. So cell phone days, I called my cell phone. Are you home? He says, yeah. Can you let me in? Yeah. So I repented of going home. 
I changed my mind, so I changed my action and turned the car around, and I got back before the ladies got there. All right? So repentance can be involved in any part, aspect of life. But spiritually speaking, we call it salvation, right? So that salvation is a change of mind about Jesus. You, know, you might believe Jesus was a historical figure, but you don't believe he was the Messiah or whatever. Do you change your mind about that? Well, yes, I truly believe he's the Messiah, my Savior. I've changed my mind, so I'm going to change my actions. I'm going to start being a Jesus follower. So, I don't know God's individual personal will for you, but I know step one of God's will for everyone is this. God's personal will for you is that you turn in his direction and repent and embrace the Son as your Savior. And so, I'm going to pray, and we'll have a song and let you go. But I'm going to pray that prayer for you. It doesn't have to be a prayer. You can just say, yes, I believe that. And give you that opportunity to go through that door. Because judgment day comes, God doesn't send anybody to hell, does he? He wants everybody to be in relationship with him. So there's a door that we have to go through. Anybody can go through the door, but some people choose not to. If they choose not to, then they will be separated from God for eternity. But God doesn't make that decision. People make that decision. And then part of that will be that, you want, that we'll uh, want to baptize you. And so we want to schedule another baptism. So if you're one of those people that, that would like to be baptized or at least talk to us about it, uh, talk to me or put it on your uh, Connect card. We'll collect in a minute. So let me have that prayer and then we'll have one final song. Father God, thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that it is his, that your will for all of us that you love us all, you send Jesus to die for us all, that you want us all to come to you and, and have a relationship with you and have our sins forgiven and spend eternity with you. So God, I want to pray right now for anybody here that, that hasn't stepped across the line, that they would say yes to you. Accept that gift. It's a gift, a free gift, completely free. That they understand that, that, that you love them enough to sacrifice a son. God, we thank you for those folks that made that decision. Most of us have been Jesus followers for a while, God. And we truly, I pray that we truly desire to know your will. So we will be better at life. And our lives will be better. In Jesus' name, amen.